This is Gairin, manager of Al Ain, and you're listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Hey everybody, it's George Tello, and this is the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Welcome back. This week's episode, we have a ton of things for you guys to discuss. Of course, we're going to talk about some of the um, transfers over the last week or so that took place. That's going to be something I get to right away on the podcast. I'm also going to catch you guys up with what's going on and what to watch if you're uh, missing out on Carabao Cup, Serie A, Bundesliga, pretty much everything, the Premier League. If you've been missing uh, and not watching the games, uh, we will keep you up as much as we can here on the podcast. But ultimately today is about the D2 preview. The league season is coming and coming very quickly. And teams, as they prepare for the end of the window, now have a chance to see the schedule as it is now out for the second division and the first division um i will obviously talk about d1 in next week's podcast uh just want to kind of isolate the amount of talking i'm going to have to do uh with these two teams as far as news goes the window does close on october 8th the official league season commences uh and begins on october 9th so that is also when the vt cup uh will start Anyways, like I said, we have that to talk about. We have a ton of things to get to. And, um, of course, let's just get you into the podcast. Guys, this is this week's episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Enjoy. So before we get into anything particularly serious, uh, Corey Kindle is still in Europe. Uh, and, unfortunately, he will not be playing his games in the first month. Um, I don't know how official this is, but if you have Corey and AIK football on your schedule, he will not be playing. Um, and that is something to keep aware of. He will not be on the schedule. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to place him in last place or anything of the sort for the D2 particular part of the preview that is in this podcast. I just... It's just something to be aware of. Hopefully everyone kind of understands why and what's going on. And that's pretty much it. So let's get to the transfers and just kind of get you guys started off on the right foot. James Madison, he heads to Manchester United for half a season. And Liverpool will get 5 million euros in return. Manchester United desperately were seeking a central attacking midfielder to a left winger. Uh, He looks like he got the guy. I mean, James Madison's one of the best young uh, attacking mids in the world. Um, obviously, he hit that crazy shot against Manchester City uh, the other day. So that's something to be aware of. He's obviously going to be a player looking to play some passes to Timo Werner, who really needs some quality, creative minds coming in behind him. He hasn't been uh, perfect or elite, I should say, in our league with you know on Pierre's team. But this could be the season that... Uh, Pierre is looking at that roster and he's saying, listen, Timo Werner could really help me a lot. Uh, This is a good move in the right direction. I really, thoroughly enjoy it. It's a good move for both squads. And look, I mean, look, Liverpool are going to do this. They like to move their players throughout the season. And for half a season, he gets five million dollars, five million euros. It's not a bad deal for both sides. I the needs were met from what I was told. Everybody needed a little piece of that deal. And hey, it worked out. Liverpool, obviously, right after that, go out and get Lars Bender. That deal should actually already be cleared. The league has not cleared it yet, uh, but it is something that will be cleared pretty soon. I believe so. It is something that they've been hit or miss on with the transfers. I know 
a lot of that is conducive because of the league schedule dropping and they're uh, and I also have some news on other stuff as well coming up. But as far as the transfers go, I believe that one will be cleared. It looks pretty clean from here. We obviously have the Lamptey deal. Um, originally, PSG were looking to bid on Gonzalo Montiel, uh, not realizing he's on my squad, Leicester City. I'm, I've loaned him off to Roma um, for the season with an option, uh, actually with no option to buy. So he will be back at some point on my team. But he then changes course, goes after Lamptey, the very sought-after right-back from Brighton, the ex-Chelsea Academy player, uh, who is now getting looks from everyone, including big, huge, massive, unstoppable Bayern Munich. And even though their win, uh, their win, or excuse me, their their streak ended the other day, they're still one of the best teams in Europe. They are the European champions and the champions of the Bundesliga. Uh, and for him to possibly be rumored there, his price will go up. Currently, the bid is at nine and a half, uh, but there is just a few hours left on that bid uh, before he goes to PSG, a team that we will be talking about later in the podcast. Obviously, this deal is very fresh, mostly because it literally just popped up on the transfer page. Callum Wilson will be going uh, over to Arsenal. Real Madrid will be getting 9 million euros uh, in return. So that is something to pay attention to. Callum Wilson joins the Gunners. Uh, much needed attack. Of course, they lost Leroy Sané this offseason and Nicolas Pepe. So, or the season before that. And I think personally, we just, we talk about deals. Callum Wilson, a player who has been very solid in his Premier League career, Obviously, down back, you know, he's now at Newcastle. So he's going to be a guy who gets amongst the goals. I believe his pace should be a little bit higher, even though coming off that knee injury, you were hoping that he would still be a lightning fast player. They've downgraded his pace just a bit. I do believe he's faster than that. Uh, and I, I assume he'll get a finishing ratings boost as well. So this is a good find for Arsenal. Uh, and it's a good start for their um for their team to finally get another striker that maybe they could have on their team for a while uh, that is dependable. Um, obviously, in the past, Artie's been able to have Sané and Mario Balotelli take the ranks, so we'll see how Callum Wilson fits in with that club. Anyways, <clears throat> excuse me. We have a ton of things to talk about, but before I jump to the next topic, very quickly, let's get to the VT Cup and... I straight up was able to have a conversation with Ryan over the course of last week because of the blog, and I will talk about that as well. But um, we were discussing the blog and, and why I was writing the article on his squad to start that whole blog process up again. And I just straight up asked him, I have some other questions you know, for the league. What are we doing on the VT Cup? And he told me, they're still deciding what they're going to do. That's why they asked, if you can't participate, let them know because... The goal is to have 32. And as we proposed on the past in the podcast, there's a few ways we can go about that. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I personally feel that you either do a two-leg knockout, run right through the tournament. You know, it doesn't mean as much. That way you can cut the field down, you know, very significantly. You can go from 40 to 20, you know, and whoever had the best win in that round gets a, uh, the top two teams in that a particular arena, get the buy, and then, you know, the next eight could play each other, something like, you could do something like that, I'll put it that way, um, or just give the teams that finished, you know, in the top, what was it, the top eight last season, give them a buy out of the first round, 
and let the other 32 play each other, and then we go from there. Um, and then we go to a 20, I believe it would go 24, 12, 6, and then we'd have three teams. But I, I, at the same time, you know, we're trying to figure these things out as we go. They said there's no clear cut. Uh, idea that they're taking off the table as of right now, but they are looking to uh, find a divisive way that uh, doesn't hurt any teams uh, with a 40-man tournament. Anyways, we've also we've we've proposed those ideas for the VT Cup too many times on the podcast. I don't want to take up anybody's time. So our next topic concerns the amount of, I guess I would say lack thereof, but you're looking at how many different schedules have come out on the league schedule? And it really makes you excited about the other things that are going on in the world of football. And there's something that we're going to try and keep up with now that games are back. But if you have been missing out, a uh, very quick storyline so far from the Premier League. Liverpool beating Arsenal 3-1. There was some controversy. It didn't go without it, of course, because it's the Premier League. Uh, Andy Robertson was running into a ball and... He he had a handball and then he was able to score later in that uh, play uh, part of play. But um, Mane as well with the elbow to Kieran Tierney. I will say this: I'm more upset about the elbow than the handball. Um, in talking to other Arsenal fans, actually across the pond, I was able to get into touch with them in the, some of the fan forums. I felt that the Mane incident seemed reckless, and he does this every now and then where he is seemingly an over-aggressive player, and I get it. He gets hurt sometimes from guys really nipping at his ankles, and I would be just as irritated as him. Um, but hitting someone in the face and to only get a yellow, people could call it accidental. I don't think it was. I think he knew where Kieran Tierney was. The handball to me, though, not that big of a deal. I mean, he's running at full speed. Should the ref have called it? Sure. But those kind of grievances happen throughout the course of the season. Those things will even out. I know it's only a 38-game season, um, but you have to look at it from both sides. You know, Robinson's not going to – there's no need for him to handball that. You know, it was clearly an accident. And, you know, just the day after uh, the game uh, had been played – uh, the FA goes, we will loosen the handball uh, ridiculousness of the rule, but that's only because of the amount of penalties given out after the third round of matches. So uh, I, I don't know what you guys take of that. I still think Liverpool, obviously the best team in England at the moment. Do I think City could beat them? Yes, but City had a very horrible thing happen to them. Leicester City um, beat them 5-2. to two. It was a bludgeoning. I mean, Vardy with the hat trick, that second goal, that angle was ridiculous. Um, and just for this team, to, uh, for Leicester City to go out and score like that, um, that's a team that needs some confidence. I think if you're looking at storylines in the Premier League, um, it's going to be if that team could improve. I know James Madison had a fantastic goal in that as well. Um, and, you know, Tillemans finished a penalty. So, I, I think that Man City have some issues. They obviously went out and bought Ruben Diaz uh, from uh, Benfica, and then they sent back Otamendi as well in that deal. Uh, so, I you know, it's hard to make too much of it because it's so early in the season. We obviously have the Carabao Cup where, you know, I'll get into that a bit, but there is so much to unpack in England just alone. We obviously have the Bundesliga starting with Dortmund and Bayern both losing. Um, those are things that you guys are going to want to pay attention to. Bayern are going to be good, but without Thiago... The balance is it might take them a few games to really continue that dominance 
with someone being able to whip those passes out of the back. I'm assuming that's why we're hearing those, uh, you know, rumors about Dest and um, Lamptey going to their uh, to the squad. I know Dest is currently in Barcelona getting his medical, so doesn't look like that deal is going to happen. But as far as the Premier League goes, it's the league I watch. I can sit there and I can watch any team really play. They they usually have. Um, not just the better coverage as of right now, even though ESPN has done a good job with Bundesliga so far. I really like being able to go on the Peacock app, and, and, and I'm not getting paid to say this. I know a lot of you guys don't like it, but personally, I mean, it's cheaper than NBC Sports Gold, and I get to watch TV shows as well. And I, I'm just saying, as far as financially, $5 to watch the Premier League. Um, some instances, you're going to be able to watch Sunday Night Football. Um, so, you know, you're able to watch live television with it as well for certain channels that they provide. So, I, I like I said, go out and get it. It's an easy thing, and you can go back and watch all the old matches you want. That's one of the cool things about it. They have all the old matches if you miss anything instead of you having to record on a outdated DVR. Anyways, um, as far as other storylines pay, pay attention to, Everton, they're looking pretty damn good. Hamas uh, Rodriguez and company have really... Uh, been one of the better sides so far after three rounds of games. They're a team to pay attention to for sure. Um, out of all the teams that are favorites to go into the top four, Chelsea, another team that's just struggling out of the gate with that West Brom draw. Um, the fact that they were even able to get back in that game after giving up three goals to a team that's just, you're expecting them to go down this season. So for Chelsea, it's a good recovery. It saved them. Um, but I'm not convinced in that team. I don't think I picked a top four for the beginning of the season. I think that you're looking at Liverpool, Man City. Um, I hate to admit this, but I do still think Chelsea will get back in there at third. It'll be Arsenal in the fourth spot. I think due, due to some of the lack thereof at Manchester United, I think that'll hold them back along with Spurs. I think they're just missing a player or two. If they get Dembele, Manchester United, though, like that's the rumor, um, I think you'll be looking at a team that's pretty damn dangerous, but they've been a little lifeless in a couple of their games. I've watched both uh, that they played so far, and I've not been impressed. I know they played another game, but I didn't watch it, and I just, I just have not felt, I have not felt that confident about them. Um, you know, just like yesterday with the Carabao Cup, Tottenham and Chelsea, um, or excuse me, I believe that was on Tuesday. Uh, so. You know, with the whole Eric Dyer situation and him having to take a big shit uh, during the game and uh, Mourinho chasing him down the touchline. Obviously, Tottenham went on to win in penalties. It's an ugly game anytime you go to penalties. I don't really think Frank Lampard should be taking some of the criticism that he's had to take in a Carabao Cup match. I understand it's Tottenham. I understand the whole London rivalry nonsense. But um, he is, this isn't a semifinal or a final. I mean, the guy... The guy went out early. It's not even a big deal. This team actually might need less matches played in cups that they probably weren't going to win anyways. They need to focus on the league and probably continue to get that Champions League money, just like my, you know, my favorite club, Arsenal. The goal is to get in the Champions, uh, to get in the Champions League. Yeah, it's nice and all to be in the cups and win the FA Cup and you know and all that glory. Like it's great. It feels awesome to be, you know, and, and compete for those cups. But at the end of the day, really. I mean, I would rather be in the Champions League, even if we weren't winning in the Champions League. It'd be nice just to be there for the financials and all that. That is pretty much it. I do know Roma and Juventus played a really exciting 2-2 draw. I uh, really have been impressed with 
how good Roma have been when they've played Eventus the last couple times. They haven't been lucky uh, in previous times, and this is something I talked to Dan about, because Roma actually have been playing pretty good. Um, after the restart, they weren't too spectacular, but you know, new season, new start, I think that uh, the change in mentality of, hey, we could possibly compete. I don't think they'll get a top four spot in Italy. Um, I'm very curious to see how Napoli continued to do. They were able to beat uh, Genoa 6-0. to nil. So that's another team that if they figure out how to score uh, with some of the guys they've got with Lozano uh, and Signe and, you know, I mean, they really haven't changed that dramatically back there. Fabian is good. I know Allen went to Everton, but there's still there's still really good pieces there for Napoli, and they're going to continue to score goals. They've been able to do that since Catuso got there. Uh, they've been a little bit better defensively, uh, but this is a good sign of improvement. They're a team that could really race for that top four spot. I know Inter and uh, and Lazio will have their say, um, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how the season pans out. You could find all that MLS. Uh, the Serie A, the Bundesliga, on the ESPN Plus app. And just like Peacock, it's only $5. So, guys, if you want to and you love the game that much, you want to check out everything and you want to be at the top of your game when it comes to picking up your players in our gaming league, those are the two sites to go to to watch. If you don't want to pay anything, I mean, you could DM me. I got a couple of things. I don't want to say it on here. I don't want to blow them up. But not that that many people listen to it. It's just it'll be on record, I guess, in a way I can't necessarily delete it. Um, but, you know... Anyways, there's a plenty of streams that you can go to if you don't feel like paying. So there's always a way to watch the games, and if you're that obsessed, I uh, good for you. I won't talk about the La, uh, about La Liga because it looks like it's gonna self implode this season, um, and I don't even want to get into that on this podcast. Maybe maybe next podcast we could talk about how stupid it is for Barcelona to get Lu- let Luis Suarez go to Atletico Madrid and team up with that team, that mentality. And that culture of the way they play, uh, and and Simeone, the way he, how hungry he makes his players. Regardless, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, it's the moment you guys have been waiting for. The D two preview. We'll be right back. All right, so it's time to pick who pretty much wins this stinking division down here. And as someone who won it last season, it's a source of pride for me. Division two now, I take it seriously. Um, I think as the the longer you guys have will be in the league, excuse me, uh, I think you'll realize how important it is to come up from D2 and how special that is and how some of the other managers won't know what that is. And even though that's not their fault, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I, I genuinely uh, have some optimistic views for some of the new guys, and then I'm not so optimistic. Melbourne City is where we're going to start at 18. And it's not one of those things where I'm trying to pick on people. But when you're new to the league and you're new to the way we do things, unfortunately you have the chance of really kind of learning the hard way. And I, as soon as I seen the teams, and I'll, I guess I'll jump into the roster very minorly because there isn't anything spectacular about it. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm being honest. I mean, there there is nothing that uh, is really that over the top. As I'm trying to bring up the roster here, give me a second. But 
I just I wanted more from some of these new guys. And um, you know, a guy like you know Pedro with San Jose Earthquakes or Marlon and David, guys who have um, who know people in the league. Obviously, everyone kind of does. But with Chris, one of my biggest things about his team is I don't know if I really am blown away by anyone. Um, and the attacking sense. I mean, Josie Altador is a solid player of, you know, during his sense of his career and all those other things. He's been a fantastic U.S. men's national team striker. He hasn't been perfect, uh, but he's been necessary at times. And you want to talk about real life impact coming into the game. Who on this squad is going to get better? I went through a little bit of the rosters, um, you know, especially with this team. You know, Cabral is a young kid, but. What are the chances he turns into something good? Um, you know, you have, you have Joshua Kenny. I, I just, I, I'm not impressed by any of these names. Mora, Omlin, like Solomon, you know, you know Matt Target. Like, it's just not really, it's a veteran group or a young, very young group at the same time. Uh, you know, they're very mixed, but no one is really over the top crazy talented. You know, Tavares is a pretty solid player. I'm not going to be blown away by him. This team is going to take time to build, and it's unfortunate that they had to kind of wait because I think they're victims of uh, just how many good, solid players are rostered already in our league. They're a victim of that, and that's why I have them, unfortunately, in the bottom spot as of right now. That doesn't mean it won't change, so don't take that to faint of heart, Chris. Um, That doesn't mean I don't believe in your squad or I don't think you're a good FIFA player. I don't know. And that is one of the biggest things. You're going into an 18-team season. We don't know you. You don't know us. It's going to be a very tough prospect of how good this team does. I'd rather not uh, keep their, uh, you know, and keep their expectations as low as possible. And finishing last is the lowest you can go. (laughs) But it also means this team will be given time to build. They do kind of remind me of an Atlanta United. A lot of guys that could be good. You're hoping that they turn into decent players. And uh, maybe that's the situation they're in where they're going to have to build the squad very remotely and very intelligently. Uh, Not that Mike has done that entirely. There's been some questionable deals, but, you know, one player at a time type of thing. Let's get on to the 17th spot, where unfortunately I have the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, You know, and it's nothing personal towards Pedro. Uh, Just like with, with Chris, I fully feel that... You know, when you're new to the league, you have some disadvantages, and it is not knowing how guys are going to play, and people could tell you all they want. I do like Ben Taleb. I think he'll be an important player. Uh, Cloyvert, another guy that you're going to want to watch out for um, that could really be good in the attack. Dumbia, I mean, Conti. There are some guys here that could really help the squad. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but they're still going to need to be shored up defensively. Now, and once I get into talking about the other squads ahead of them, you're going to also agree with me in the sense that they may not have the defensive awareness um, that I think some people would hope that they're going to have. Um, I don't believe that they are going to be equipped for this. Uh, genuinely, I just don't think they're going to be equipped for this. I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to harp in on people. I just don't think that they have what is necessary at the moment. Just a lot like uh, with, um, excuse me, with Melbourne is that it's the experience. You know, it, it is the experience and it's something that is going to take time. It's going to take time. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be mean. It's 
it's something that will work itself out, but they're going to have to work very, very hard for whatever talent they they uh, think they're going to bring in. It's going to be a hard, long journey, and hopefully these guys are willing to stick it out. Let's move on to 16. It's a guy who's been in our league before. I'm going to go with wonderful Jake Vasquez, Los Angeles Galaxy. And the reason why I have the Galaxy so low is mostly because of similar reasons. I mean, Jake's been gone for a minute. Um, Not that I haven't been impressed with his attitude and the way he's come back or the players he's been able to get. S.A. is a good player. Obviously, he brought Ibrahimovic. Um... You know, I uh, Luis Suarez, not the one you're thinking of. I looked that kid up. He actually has some pretty good potential uh, if he turns himself into a good player. Orsic is another one that uh, to keep your eyes out for. Um, you know, and Neto, I, I think he'll be a, a good place, uh, a good player to put plug in place every now and then. And I mean, you can't be mad at the fact that he's been able to pick up some of the younger talent. Whether he turns that into something. It's all based on how much form he thinks he's going to run into. And I don't think, uh, for Jake's sake, he's going to run into it. I just don't think there's enough talent yet. We're going to keep these expectations of these teams very low because they haven't been able to really build any momentum of any sort with not having a mass amount of finances. Um, But even though the expectations are low, any of these teams could really jump themselves into mid-table this season, I think is the height of where they're going to go i have no idea what formations they're going to run it looks like a 4-2-3-1 for a majority of the sides i've already talked about just kind of base formation it maybe even five at the back that's becoming a trend i think with the terrible defending that goes on in this game so we'll see how jake goes hopefully he's one of those teams that really beats his expectations because i don't think a lot of guys have him or expecting him to do anything you know above the 10th spot this year he could and will and should get better. I, I believe that. I think he's going to have um, all the backing and then brand new squad. David Sevilla is coming in at 15. And where I think David will finish just a little bit higher, David has, uh, from what I talked to a couple guys that had played in the league before against David that remembered him, because some didn't. And uh, a lot of were saying that it is a team that will be tactical at times. Um, but I'm still expecting them to struggle. It is... Another roster filled with guys that either you don't know or they're just bang average. And it's one of those things where you're coming into the league, you're hoping to get guys you want. Listen, Giovinco will be okay. I mean, I'm not hating on that. I think uh, Sensi is a good move for now. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe could turn into an impactful player if he goes out on loan for Arsenal. Uh, Was it uh, Justin is a good one. Uh, Curtis Jones, I think he'll be a very good player. and that could be a good way to generate some money as well as Gio Reyna on this roster. So it's a young roster. They're going to have to probably hope that some of those young players develop and become really nice and expensive. That way you can build the squad. Because other than that, it looks like this team is going to have to hope other teams aren't up to the level that we expect them to be in D2 in order for this team to have a chance to go into the playoff area. And that is very far away from the 15th spot. I mean, let's be realistic. It's it's a very far journey, um, and we'll see if this is a team that could like uh, like with Galaxy could really beat that expectation. Even though I uh, I don't really expect them to. Let's take a breath here. Let's get to fourteen because this is still arguably down on the bottom third of the table now with eighteen teams down here in D two. And because I put you here doesn't mean I think that this team is not going to compete. 
I mean, they added a pretty solid player in the offseason in Gareth Bale, but Inter-Miami still have a lot of questions for me to answer. And honestly and frankly, in talking to other people about this squad, Gareth Bale is really the only guy worth talking about. And I know that Nick will disagree with me, and he's he's going to come in with a still gritty attitude. That's what's going to make him competitive if he can be. Um, and, you know, just the way that he's been in the past. He's been a very tough opponent, uh, but he's been beatable at the same time. And can he kind of capture what he had before when he was in the league? And I think he can. It's going to take a season. He'll be better than some of the other new guys. Um but only because I think he has Gareth Bale. And if he uses him correctly, he can climb on the table. But I still don't think he's going to have enough for once. I could actually say in D2, this is not a team of balance at the moment from what we've seen uh, in the past. As far as experience, that's going to help. But uh, I just don't think there's enough talent around Gareth Bale to really carry this team through. And if he does go ahead and purchase Gareth Bale this offseason... I think you're looking at a team that's really fully committed to a 30-year-old, 31-year-old player and is really begging on the hope that the young players around uh, really develop into something nice. I know more money will come in than just that, but having to purchase that I don't think is going to be an option. So this will be a one-season thing with Bale, um, and they're going to probably have to make the most of it. I'll put it to you that way. Let's get on to number 13, because as we get closer to the middle table, you're probably wondering where I was going to put this team, but Shanghai is going to be another new team, and I'm sure a lot of these new guys might go higher than where I'm placing them, but it's expectation, and talking talking to Marlon when I have, I said no one's really sexy, crazy good on the team, you know what I mean, like no one's going to have that name where you're like, okay, this guy is going to be the one. Marlon is going to go back to how he had it before. He's going to try and control games. He's really going to try and use his pace when he has the opportunity. But he thinks he's got something special. He straight up told me, I'm going top three. I'm getting an automatic spot. How that plays out, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. I I don't know if he's going to be able to, just like with the rest of these new guys, have the balance. It's going to be hard. I think the next FIFA could have more injuries, so it's going to put more of a strain on these new guys that don't have the quality and depth. Um, and it's going to be a struggle at times. It's going to be a lot of, like for a lot of the new D1 teams this season, a lot of us coming up, we're going to have to make that adjustment as well. Uh, that's just how it goes. But uh, it's part of the game. It's part of our league, and uh, that's the reason why I have 13 through 18 the way I do at the moment. Now, we get to the middle tier, I guess, of this table, and Manchester City are a team that made a lot of moves in the offseason, adding Christian Pulisic, and I think that's their biggest move, getting rid of Gabriel Jesus in return. They don't necessarily have to replace what Jesus did. He was impactful as hell, but the team was starting to get better towards the end of the year, and even though they didn't have the finish to the season they wanted, It looks like this is a team that's going to have talent around Pulisic to build on, and that's been the goal. Every time I've talked to Mike, um, you know, he's more and more optimistic about the team growing. And I'll be honest with you, this is a team I want to see do well, not just because it's Ortiz, but because the way he's had to build the squad up. I mean, he's bounced off a couple big deals, and this is another big deal that he he did, Um, this time with a D1 team again. But, I mean... Listen, getting a guy like Christian Pulisic who's going to play for Chelsea hopefully for a long time and have a long career, you got a guy you don't really need to you know, replace. You don't have to 
get someone better than him at the moment. You can really focus on other areas. And uh, I fully expect that. Uh, he added defensive pieces here and there with Bednarek coming in for myself. And he's he's hoping that the midfield is a little bit better this season. So as far as Man City go, I think they're going to be more balanced than the new guys. They'll take advantage, in fact, I think of that. I think that this team could potentially compete for a top eight spot. I think they can go higher than the 12th spot, but they're going to have to score more goals than they did last season. That was one of their big struggles, and they lost the goal scorer. So we'll see if he can replace that. If Mike can, this team could possibly be competing for a top eight spot and maybe be on the outside looking in on a playoff spot come the last two months of the season. And though I'm genuinely optimistic, this is the lowest I think City could finish. I know they could possibly go lower, but... Uh, just looking at the talent on these other teams, if City can't beat some of these bottom-tier guys, uh, I think we'll have to question the way he's built this team, and I don't think that that's going to happen. Anyways, let's get to number 11, where Inter Milan is another team that uh, will be competing, I think, for the majority of the season. And I know it seems harsh to have a team like led by Marco Royce and Erling Holland really not be able to do everything but this team, even though they can be very dangerous going forward, they're very susceptible when they are dominating games. Any time that uh, Derek had more possession in a game than his opponent, he had a losing record. Now, the ones I, the games I went through, and this was over the last two months of the season, he only won, I believe it was two games when he dominated possession. Insane stat over the last two months of the season. That's not what you want. Other times he either drew or lost. So it's not something that you want to see. This team has to get better at closing out games, and that's going to be something that we watch for uh, Inter Milan over the course of the year. They're going to have to close out games, and another team that's going to be above them, that's going to be another question I pose to them because closing out games is going to matter even more this season with the dip in quality amongst the Division Two opponents. It's not that everybody's going to be bad in D2 or there's a huge drop-off when you look at the bottom of the table, but let's be realistic, having... Attacking players like Marco Royce and Erling Holland are really going to carry this team through a lot of issues that they might have this season. And you know what? That's not necessarily the worst thing. I think it might be something good uh, for Derek and his squad to really be at the cusp of a top 10 finish, possibly higher, um, depending on how this team reacts to their schedule and et cetera, et cetera. All right. I'm going to cut this here. I'm going to take a mini break myself. When we come back, though, we're going to have the top 10, and we're going to get you guys into who I think will be promoted and who will go into those playoff spots. We'll be right back. All right, so let's get part two started here with the top 10. If you're just catching up with me and you forgot somehow in the 30-second song that I played in between this, I have Melbourne City FC, San Jose, Los Angeles Galaxy, Sevilla, my Inter Miami, Shanghai, Man City, and Inter Milan. That is your 18th to 11th currently on how I think they'll finish. Let's get you guys to the top 10. And at number 10 is AIK Football Club. And I, I think this team, with Corey, with the way he was able to wheel and deal some of his more vast talent offloading them and then moving in some talent that uh, really I think some people wish they had in the league. It's not quite jo uh, Josh or, um, you know, maybe some of Torino's level, but, you know, having some teams like that I think could be very important. Um, you know, I I personally think him missing the first month 
you know, regardless, even if he wasn't going to miss it, I think that first month was always going to be tough. But he's also got Douglas Costa, adding Tete, adding Carlos Vela, you know, Rafael Leao. This is a team that has attacking options and could be very lethal. His group of friends is what gives him this warrant uh, to be so high, and it's playing with guys like Dre, a D1 manager, playing with Evan, D1 manager, Chris and Wayne and all those other guys. And I don't know if he knows Wayne, uh, the Lamparts, but, you know, that's, yeah, no, he knows Dre. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure those guys have played each other at some point. So having that community of opponents on the constant could be lethal. And it could be one of those things where, um, you know, once he's done, once he's figured things out, how good is he going to be? So we'll, we'll have to keep expectations here, I guess, literally middle of the road in the 10th spot. Um, but, you know, I uh, it's very curious to me uh, what's going to go on with that. Before we go to number nine, something that uh, came to my attention as I was recording this is the exit of Club Leon. This team, and I don't know all the rumors going about it, it looks like they just left the league. Whatever it is, this team was going to be, I think, on a lot of people's minds and talking to, I think it was either Aaron or Joey. I can't remember off the top of my head who I was talking to about it. It might even have been Roman or Santi. But we were talking about this team and their defensive acumen and the way they were able to get better attacking and how it's a good blueprint for a lot of the D2 teams. Um, You know, I hope everything's okay, and I hope that uh, he rejoins us at some point. And... You know, losing Robert as well, losing some guys that really put in that that gritty effort every time they played, and you really wanted to root for them. This is one of the teams, so uh, hopefully we'll get them back. And uh, you know, I mean, as for right now, obviously we gotta, you know, just deal with it. But anyways, let's get to number nine. Let's get back to what we came here for, and that was the stinking preview. We're running out of teams, but Atlanta United to me, and even though they haven't made incredible strides, started to play well as a unit. And that, to me, is very important. Maximiliano Gomez was able to score goals at times that you just really weren't expecting him. I expect a big season from him and Mason Mount to really step into that role of the primetime number 10 in this division. And every time we've seen a guy really take control of a team, that team has gone on to do better than expected. I personally think Atlanta could finish this high because of the lack of talent below. But maybe this team is starting to figure things out. And seeing what his brother's doing, I think Mike might feel, I need to get, I need to get involved with that. I need to get into the top division um, and join the ranks there. I think Atlanta finished ninth this season uh, with, I think, a flurry. I think they could be a very, very good team if they get things right, especially early on. If they figure out things early, this could be a pretty good team uh, that guys will have to deal with. Let's get on to number eight. Gremio is a team last year that finished towards the bottom. You know, they weren't all that impressive, but they got some really odd, solid victories throughout the course of the season. This is a team that plays very fast. They like to move the ball. They like to get at you and play very direct. That is going to be a problem for teams with lack thereof. And that includes the teams around Gremio all the way up to where they are in the placing. I would say even some of the top teams in the top five might have issues with him. And it's not because of the lag. I know last year it killed me. I know he was able to get one on me because of the lag. But it's going to happen. And this team obviously isn't going to rely on it because we saw them win games uh, outright. And this 
they could be one of those surprising teams that just pops up out of nowhere and is able to score, you know, have a couple games throughout the season where they're putting up five or more goals in a game. And I think they're a team to watch out for uh, as far as them getting in amongst the goals. Uh, Cavani is still on this squad. He did not move as much as I tried to pry him away. Um, (laughs) You know, so I think that this is a team that can score some goals. And uh, I expect them to, with that ability, to really push up into the top eight of the table. We're getting to the nitty-gritty now because we're now reaching the top seven, and all these teams could possibly go up next year. And I'm going to not be as harsh as I want to be. Um, But AC Milan is a team that I was really disappointed to see go down. And I think for obvious reasons, right, this team felt like they didn't deserve to go down. They just had one bad year and they were punished by the relegation system, but weren't good enough to survive and go to the playoff, which I don't know. We got some pretty good playoff matchups and, you know, I, I think we got what we deserved, but I, I want to see maybe something else happen. You know, Kieran Tierney exiting the club is kind of a big deal on that left-hand side. I know that there's some other options on this team, but going into the course of the season, a lot of you guys don't deploy your players when I expect them to. And I think the majority of us expect you to and where to play them and kind of go about it. And this is a team that's kind of quirky at times. They kind of do things differently. Um, they do play very hard in tackle and in the attack themselves, they're very finesse. So if they could find that balance, this is a team that will compete for a top five spot at, as of right now on the outside, looking into me, because I don't know if they're going to be able to find that form because only five can go up out of this 18. Let's be honest. That's a, that's a very small percentage that can go compared to last year. That's six extra teams that are going to get in your way. So kudos for probably getting the mentality, right? Going down to D2 and hopefully recuperating, but I think they'll find D2 just as challenging in its own way uh, than D1. Maybe not more challenging, obviously, but challenging in its own way. At number six, I have good old squad Bayern Munich. They added Serge Gnabry this season for Boadu, a deal that got a lot of attention for, I think, some people believing it's controversial, which I don't disagree. Um, but one of the main factors, I think, with Bayern is Casper Dolberg, is his rating going to go up? Can this team get a midfield working that can stay consistent? Because that's their biggest issue is the midfield consistency fluxes in and out, therefore leaving the attack to really rely upon the strikers. And I don't know if this team could get into a top five spot if those things aren't happening for them. This is a team where I'm really kind of playing them high um, because I think their expectations for themselves and for Luis, I think he'll believe that he can be higher on this table and he may play up to that because he started playing a little bit better towards the end of the season at D1. I think he might find himself in a position where he's like, hey, I need to I need to kick it up a notch. His talent on his roster has gotten a little bit better. Maybe his FIFA skills will follow. Um, and I think he could finish six. I think just because Atlanta, I think uh, Grimio, AIK, um, and AC Milan just maybe aren't perfect at the moment, and he might be able to take advantage of that. Um, I do know that looking at teams like that, uh, like kind of like a Bayern in that range from that six to eight spot, it's going to be very competitive overall. Just in general, it's going to be competitive. 
All right, so let's get to the teams I believe will overall, I think, compete for a playoff spot. And I know a lot of you are going to have your personal opinions on what I'm going to talk about at the moment because the top five is very, very intense and very tough. I I don't think for a second anybody in this top five can't switch around. And we're at a point now in the season where any of these guys can win. I genuinely think this. This top five, anybody's got a chance to win the title. Personally, my picks are going to be different than yours. So let's go to the notebook here. I've already given you six through 18. Let's go to the top five. Houston Dynamo at number five. Alain at four. Those are my two playoff teams. Houston, to me, still has the lethal attack. Yes, Alex Wobie's no longer there. Yes, there's question marks about Balotelli. Yes, there's question marks about that defense. But this team scores goals. And the fact of the matter is, is that, in fact, losing a couple guys might actually balance him out. And I know I keep repeating that, but balance is going to be a big deal in D2 because last season, the three teams that did go up, they had balance throughout the course of the season. It wasn't always there for everybody, but when they found it, it worked. And you saw the gap. There's like no resistance in those matchups when you're playing someone that can't find balance, that can't defend. They're in trouble. It's not like D1 where you're going to have to go into the game knowing, okay, what does this guy do? I'm going to have to play this certain way. Otherwise, he's going to beat me. You know, And I'm not saying there's not strategy in D2, but a team that can really play open, uh, and I would say more so expressing themselves more evenly, is going to be a good team. And I think Houston could find that, even Al Ayn. I don't think they added a particularly crazy amount of talent, but because the system is there. I think Gaidon and Anthony can really take advantage of everybody else below them. And they've shown that, hey, uh, we'll outscore you. We don't give a damn. And Gaidon obviously has that heavily possession-style game. No company anymore at the back there. Going to be curious to see how this team plays. I I know they're very pass-heavy. They like to get the ball in and out. McAllister is a name that you're going to have to really pay attention for this season. He's going to have to make an impact in that midfield and really create I think a lot for this squad to be in this position you know Gaduzi coming over is going to help them defensively and maybe with the possession but they're going to still need to score and at times they weren't able to score goals in big games so they're going to need that if they want to compete to go back into a playoff spot and possibly an automatic spot as for your top three Andrew Washburn's going to hate this in the third spot, I have PSG. Josh, I think, I'm I'm a big, big believer in him and the way he plays. I like the way he plays uh, plays FIFA. Um, just the way he get, likes to get after you in the final third. It's it's aggressive. Uh, it's honest. It's it's. I wouldn't say it's authentic because I feel like a lot of guys try to do that and play that way. Difference is Josh has gotten it to work at times, and I think for D2 standards. I think it'll work very easily. I know in the past I've toted him to do well, and he hasn't. This is not one of those situations. I actually think that he will do very, very well. And I think he can take advantage of a lack of talent below, whereas he's coming from D1. Yes, he has some money. He has some guys that left. Uh, but or Bailey is still on that team, and I think he could be very good along with Thurman uh, up top. Those two could be a very dominant 
and I don't say this lightly, a very dominant pairing with the way that those two guys could run and just get behind the defense. I, I would be terrified having to play this team in D2. I do have Roma at number two, and I know a lot of you are like, man, you're giving Dob a lot of credit. World-class talent came into this team in the offseason. Mandalas is going to lock things down at the back. And even though Dob likes to play on that back foot to start the game and really counterattack, I got to say, adding Jamie Vardy, a guy who is an 86 rating in the coming FIFA, he could be one of the best offenses and the best defenses in the league and potentially, I think, is just one more player away from being title favorites. Obviously, you guys know now who is in the number one spot and you know why they're in the number one spot in a bit, or you'll know in a bit. But as far as Roma go, the defensive first mentality is really going to carry that along. And even though me and Daniel talked about what formation he was going to run, he didn't want me to reveal it, so I won't. But it's going to be defensive, is, is what I'll say. I won't say specifically where guys are standing and where where they're standing, uh, like how transparent I was on the blog post with Ryan. But this is a team that has a lot to prove. And I think egotistically, they're going to be the most arrogant team in D2. But they're going to be hella fun to watch, and they're going to be very good. And I think they will finish an automatic spot, and I think they'll be being uh, they'll be back in D1 next season. As for the team I have winning the whole thing, Torino FC, a guy who I've been playing religiously over the last four or five days. Luis has really kind of shown this is the team that, on the break, is the fastest and most lethal team in D2. And possibly can even give some D1 teams a run for their money with the t- the front four they possess. Rodrigo, Martin Odegaard, Kylian Mbappe, Leroy Sané. There's a lot of five-star skillers in that group set there. I'm still very curious how this team is going to defend at times. I know pressure could get to the squad, but counterattack and the fact that they also added, they or they still have Trent, they added Upamakano this offseason. This is the best team. You want to talk about balance. They have superstars on every level of the playing field, along with Ruben Neves sitting there in the midfield. Martin Odegaard will have license to go forward and be lethal like he can be. This is the best team in D2, and they need to go out there and prove it this season. They had a really down year finishing uh, towards the bottom of the table, to, I would say in the middle of the table last season in a 12-man league. But they're going to have a lot to prove, and with the list of characters that they're going to have to face this season, no one is really D1 ready like Torino. They're going to really have all eyes on them constantly. This is the team that's going to face a ton of pressure uh, throughout the course of the year. I think they will be the D2 champions. Before we end the podcast, because I know I've been talking forever and I don't want to waste anybody's time, surprise team on this list that will I think could surprise everybody. I think, oh man, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I think it's, I think you have two teams that will surprise people. I think Manchester City will surprise people, and I think Inter Milan will surprise people. I think with what they've done, the grouping of talent at certain levels could take them even higher uh, than they expect. Potential disappointment for this season, I would go with Houston because there's so many question marks. Um, even though I think their manager knows what he's doing, I just think that at the same time, it's hard to replace pieces that really worked in the past. It's going, especially the next season over, we've seen it happen. Teams are really heavily impacted by that. 
who I think will be the top assistman. I'm going to go with Martin Odegaard. I think he and this Torino team are really going to have um, a lot of offense to talk about, and I think they'll dominate in those markers, along with the way uh, as, as far as clean sheets go as teams. I think Roma will win that. I think somehow Daniel will find out ways to not lose matches, and that'll be one of his strongest qualities is the clean sheet. Uh, whether he pulls off one or two nil victories all the time, I think you'll be looking at a team that really defends first, and they will dominate the clean sheet race. As for the top goal scorer in D2, I'm going with Kylian Mbappe. I just there's no better striker in our league, uh, or excuse me, in this division, and I believe that he's going to dominate it. He's so much faster. He has the five star skill moves. Both feet work. Did I mention he runs at like a 90 billion pace? Like the guy's going to go past defensive players easily. And on constant, especially with Sané on his left. Uh, D2 is going to be interesting. I think the I think the manager that, you know, probably will could surprise us, like I said, it's it's gonna come down to how much tactically they set up. Um, I think also at the same time you're looking at squads that are very new. Uh, you know, a third of this division is very new. Uh, as they come in. So I look forward to that. I look forward to, obviously, the growth of D2 and how these teams do in the VT Cup and the FA Cup. But uh, at the end of the day, um, D2 is how you get to D1. So I know a lot of the guys will put their energy massively into this, and uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I look forward to it. I hope you guys do too. It's going to be very, very fun. I think the depth is there for once. The mid-table is going to be a war. Because I think everyone's pretty much the same. In those 8 to 5 spots, I think we're looking at some pretty tight contests as well come the end of the season. You're not out of it with the amount of games you're going to have to play. A 36-game schedule looks on the docket. Or excuse me, a 34-game schedule looks like it's on the docket. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully no one quits. But uh, that's what I have. I have Torino winning D2. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Before we end, though, today, I just want to say thank you for everyone for listening and thank you for the feedback. We will try and keep up on Instagram as much as we can. If you don't have the Wix app, though, I suggest downloading it. It's a very small app to download, but you keep up with our blog um, at San Pedro FIFA League. Very easy. Uh, you're gonna get. You guys will get. Uh, if you subscribe, you will get a weekly one. I will not be posting this for you managers. This is for anyone who listens to the podcast and just wants more content. Um, I did an introduction blog so far, and I talked about Ryan's rebuild, just minorly. I didn't want to go too deep into it for the weekly one. You guys will get monthly and weekly blog posts uh, talking about the San Pedro FIFA League and different aspects of that. That'll be stuff I don't do on the podcast because it's very broad. Uh, we will use the blog to go into depth about different teams and different situations and storylines, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, going on in our league. I want to thank you guys for listening once again. I'm George Tello. This has been the D2 League, uh, the league preview, and this has been another episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Guys, until next week, goodbye.